This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. If you're like me, you spend lots of time poring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 284. Today, I'm catching up with my good buddy, Wilson McSwain, and we're talking whitetails, turkey, and elk. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Coming to you from a dreary Pennsylvania here as I'm recording this up front. Uh, this past weekend was a, a washout yet again, uh, which seems like that's the um, 
seems like that's the standard, if you will, for uh, for the weekends recently. Got rained on during the turkey opener last weekend. Had some family in town. Tried to barbecue. Barbecue turned out well, but the rain didn't do me any favors. Rained all that weekend, and of course, had a couple of nice days this past week, and then rain all this past weekend as well. So I am kind of, I guess, chomping at the bit a little bit to get outside. And this is usually the time of year. Have all my truck cameras out. Uh, I guess that's a lie, actually. Let me let me be honest here. I have almost all my truck cameras out there. I have all my cameras out in all of my primary areas. I have probably a handful of spots that I need to kind of uh, that I need to put cameras out in, but they aren't necessarily uh, inventory kind of summer velvet types of spots. There's certain places that I leave cameras run all, all year round, and there's other places where I kind of throw them in the timber. Uh, you know, whenever it gets closer to, to go time. But I mean, regardless, they'll all be put out this summer and kind of and set up and ready to roll for the fall. Um, and I'll probably get that done here in the next next couple of weeks. Usually once turkey season ends and I can use a Saturday because I don't want to bust up anybody's hunt either. Um, if someone's out turkey hunting uh, and I'm out trying to hang a couple of trail cameras or whatever, I don't want to bust up people's hunts while I'm trying to do that. So I usually wait till Turkey season's over. Then once it's over, that fa- that very next weekend is when I put out the final kind of remaining cameras that I need to uh, to get out, and then I'm and then I'll be all set. But I think I really only have probably three more to hang. Um, if if uh, if I'm being truthful, um, which so you know by most standards I'm ahead of the game, <laughs> much further ahead of the game right now than I usually am uh, this time of year. Usually at this point, I'm getting ready to scramble to try to do a couple all day sessions to get cameras out. But this year I kind of did it as I was scouting during the winter and and hung them in prior you know, priority spots. I think I talked about this at one other point, you know, a lot, and this even goes for whenever you're trying to trim out trees or set trees up. The best time to do that stuff is when you're there. So when I'm scouting now anymore, even if it's in the winter, like even say February, I'll pack a camera or two in my pack um, and just kind of carry them along with me. And whenever I find a spot where I'm like, man, I really need to put a camera here. I just hang the camera and, and be done with it. Um, as opposed to saying, let me mark this, I'll come back to it in the fall or in the summer rather and hang a camera. The other reason too, is that it might look a lot different whenever I get back there in the summer than it did in the winter, whenever I was scouting with the leaves all off and stuff like that. So I've just tried to bundle as much as I can together on those, on those sessions, uh, and try to get as much done when I'm in the woods, as opposed to making multiple trips. And it actually frees up, you know, some free time for me to be able to spend a little bit more time with the family and stuff like that. So killing multiple birds with one stone so to speak. But with that, we're going to go ahead and just get jumped into today's show. Have a cool show for you guys today. Have my buddy Wilson McSwain on. You know him, you love him. He's been on the show a couple different times. He used to live here in Pennsylvania. Uh, used not, he wasn't my neighbor necessarily, but uh, didn't live, but maybe, you know, 15 minutes from me. And uh, we would usually, you know, do some scouting together, do you know, a little bit of turkey hunting, maybe a little bit of goose hunting, and then usually try to get together during the late season. Uh, archery and you know try to do some whitetail hunting which we always failed at miserably anytime he and I were together for hunting deer we never saw a single deer um, but with that Wilson ended up moving to Idaho uh, last summer I want to say right around this time last year I want to say June sometime I think is whenever he actually headed out there um, and so we talk a little bit about the move you know moving west um, he's got some family out there which is why he why he and his uh, he and his family headed out that uh, that that way um, but what we get into a little bit is just, you know, he's had a big change. Obviously when you move across the country, that's a big change. He's now working in the outdoor industry, which is a, a big change, right? Cause everyone thinks want to work in the outdoor industry. Uh, but do you actually get to hunt as much as you would like to? So we talk a little bit about that. Um, 
we also talk about he's kind of been on this turkey tour or turkey tear actually as of the recording of this i think he just killed a bird in wyoming like two days ago if i'm not mistaken so that would put him at a bird in idaho one in texas and one in wyoming and we kind of talk about a couple of those hunts that he had what's different about hunting mountain birds whenever you get out into those you know western kind of mountain states versus you know hunting pa or new york or whatever the case is Talk a little bit about deer hunting as as well as, you know, he was a non-resident last year, uh, technically speaking, so he wasn't able to get some tags last year. So he had a really different approach um, to his hunting season last year. And we talk a little bit about it, but he was able to kind of grow a lot because he's basically spent a season uh, not guiding, but just kind of going along with people, calling for people, calling elk for people. Um, and just kind of getting his feet wet in the, in the, in the mountains and in the, in the dark timber of, of Idaho. And we talk a little bit about, you know, what he gained from that experience, not necessarily being the hunter on those trips last year and what he's looking forward to for this year. And then we have, he and I have an elk hunt coming up this, uh, late August, early September, I guess I'll be going out at the very end of August. Um, and so we talk a little bit about that and our prep for that and, uh, how stoked we are to, uh, to, to share elk camp together this year. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. Don't forget, head to the website, truthfromstand.com. Check out the merch tab, uh, pick yourself up some swag if you would like, and then it's never too early to start prepping for those early fall hunts. Be sure to pick up the Skull Brew uh, uh, backcountry packs for your travel coffee needs. So with that, let's jump into today's show. And as always, thank you for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And this fella is someone, he's my long lost brother. Haven't heard from him in a while. He, he, he done left me here in Pennsylvania, moved to Idaho for bigger and better things. I've got my my good buddy on, Mr. Wilson McSwain. What's going on, going on man? Are we live? We live. We live. <laughs> oh, I'm just enjoying. We have blue skies, and I think it's like 60 degrees. Which oh, nice. Is just beautiful. So nice. I'm about to break out my summer shorts. Nice. So you're finally out of the uh, out of the snow. Yeah, they're calling for maybe some snow this weekend. <laughs> oh, sweet. But I think it's going to be just higher up. Right. So nice. They say it's pretty typical to get like a May snow out here yeah how was your uh how was your first winter in idaho was it uh was it eye-opening well i mean you're from i mean i guess idaho is not technically the pacific northwest but you're from the that adjacent is gonna make state a lot of people that's gonna make a lot of people mad okay well we'll, we'll just take that back <laughs> edit that out edit uh, button <laughs> yeah i said when i moved here i was like this is not the pacific northwest this is the Northwest. And then everybody got mad and they're like, no, Idaho, Washington, Oregon are the PNW. But when you grow up in almost the further, furthest Northwest corner, I mean, take out Alaska, right? Right. But we always considered that Seattle area to be the PNW. But now I'm in Idaho and it's also the PNW. All right. Well, I mean, you know, they're close. You can give it to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, the winter wasn't bad, though. Everyone here said it was a really big winter, which I was glad for. Because um, our summer was incredibly hot and everyone said, oh, this is not normal. Yeah, I remember I was talking to you at one point. I, f- I forget what you're doing. I think you and the family were out, I think, on a camping trip or something like that. Uh, yes, and, 115 degrees. Yeah, I know. It's, I don't, and I forget what started the conversation. I think because I, I think because I mentioned how hot it was here, and you were yeah. like, and I was assuming 
you know, you were enjoying that nice, uh, like crisp, you know, and it was like uh, late August, like getting on to September, I think even like, I don't think it was quite September. It was still no, summer, it was but August. It, yeah. But and it, it was brutal. Yeah. And it was that time of year where I kind of envision, well, at least around here, as you know, like you start to get those nice kind of cool summer nights to a degree, yeah. you know, where it might be hot during the day, but you get like the nice cool down in the evening and stuff like that. And so I was kind of jealous you being out there where I was like, man, I bet you he's getting those like, you know, almost fall type temps where it's kind of getting nippy in the evenings and you've got you know, like your sweatshirt on and stuff like that. And I call you, you're like, dude, it's like 115 degrees right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It was just like a week though. It was beautiful, like end of summer weather. And then bam, 115. The thermometer on the back porch said 120, I think at one point. Right. And the body's but, mood, and the body's mood ring said it was like 140. Oh yeah. But it still wasn't crazy because there's no humidity here. Yeah. So, I mean, people here were complaining. They're like, it's so humid. I'm like, you have no idea what it's like to be in a deer stand in September and it's 82 degrees and 100% humidity. <laughs> and like life. You're like, why am I, what's, what am I doing here? What, what have I done wrong? Why did I put myself here? Yeah, I think that almost every year in September, whenever I go out, because I'm always... Last year, I played it a little cooler. I was a little smarter last year uh, where I didn't – I hunted way more strategic than I had probably – well, probably the most strategic I've ever I've ever hunted. I hunted a lot. I just was uh, choosy about the dates I was going to hunt, and I didn't burn myself out because I often have that problem where I just – I burn myself out, where I go real hard at the beginning because I'm excited. You know, I don't go and run into my good areas – but I still hunt a lot uh, and probably not very high odds uh, hunts in the past. And last year I kind of took a much more deliberate and maybe tempered approach to the earlier part of the season, had really good encounters and felt like I was actually balancing my like home life and my hunting better than I have in the past. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. well, we, we talk about that a lot. Like, are you going to hunt? You know, people say hunt hard and, yada yada but if you you can hunt just as much and be smarter about it and not burn yourself out and yeah. still love your family get time with your family right you killed you yeah and then whenever you're angry at your family it makes it even easier to leave because you haven't been gone so often you know yeah. <laughs> i'm out i'm out of here take it easy yeah so what has been uh so what's been your favorite part of living in Idaho so far, man. Cause I mean, you, you've been out there coming up on, it'll be a year in June, right? Is that when it was June? Yeah. I got out here the last week of May pretty much. Cause I remember I shot a Turkey and then was like, oh, this may be the last Turkey I ever shoot in Pennsylvania. Had mm -hmm. a little teary eyed moment. Yep. Which is not true. I'm going to come back. I think next year I'm coming back. We're going to kill turkeys. Nice. But, um, uh, I think my favorite part has been the, I guess I would say the outdoor culture. Mm -hmm. um, Pennsylvania, the East Coast had that historic hunting traditions. Right. You know, deer camp, bear camp, deer drives. And here it's less of a thing that you do and more of just how you are. Right. And so it's not uncommon to go down to the river 
and see families fishing together right or it, it's just um it just seems more common this outdoor mentality of like we fish and we kayak and we get all these lakes here so the boating culture is huge you know cashiers at the grocery store are wearing their swimsuits in the summer like the guys, not the girls, but um, uh, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, man. Like I, I walk in, I walk into like the Circle K, and I see a guy in, a, in like a speedo. I'm gonna be upset. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's like board shorts and flip flops, and you're like, you going swimming today? He's like, going out on the boat. It's just like, there's so it's not uncommon for people to not have TVs in their living room here. Really, that's that is oh. interesting. Yeah, because you. Or you watch TV maybe in the winter when you're not snowmobiling or snowshoeing, which I'm still not going to get into snowshoeing. My buddy wants to, and I was like, I just, it's not my thing. Yeah, I don't, but, snow, I mean, cool if people dig it. I, I'm just, I'm ignorant to it. I don't, I don't understand it. The only way I'm doing it is if I'm going to chase them out mine. Right. And that that would be, that would be kind of how I would see it's usefulness, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I guess if you just want to go hike when it's snowy out, I guess would be a reason to do it. Is that why people do it? I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of, a lot of, um, snowshoeing out here. Snowmobiling is huge. It was a culture shock and I was sitting at an intersection. We just got a big snow and the snowmobile just goes ripping by me on the street. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? And I follow him, you know, up the road or whatever, because I think I was going to the grocery store and he was just going to get groceries. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, and nobody better than I, no one besides me is just normal. You know, it's normal to ride your UTV or your ATV down the street. And so that kind of laid back outdoor culture of um, just being outside. I love, we love it. Right. Yeah. So it just, it sounds like more. Like the outdoors, like I think you said it pretty well when you said it's it's not like the heritage stuff. It's just like the thing you do, which to me, kind of says that you know it is, um, it's lifestyle. You know, it's yeah. it's just baked into like your everyday. It's like it's not a season. You know, where yeah. Here it feels like, and there's nothing wrong with either either way. You know what I mean? No, it's just, no. It's just based on you know, uh, you know, uh, regional kind of you know, cultural, cultural kind of perspectives or whatever around here. It's very much more geared around like seasonality. Now, I mean, you and I both know some folks, you know, around here that are, you know, just, I don't know how to say it, like diehard outdoors men or women where, yeah. you know, it is kind of an all year, all year round type of thing that they're, um, you know, engaging in, whether it's, whether it's yeah. hunting, whether it's fishing, whether it's snowboarding, whether it's just hiking, mountain biking, like those types of things, but it certainly isn't nearly as prevalent as it is uh, as it is out there. And a lot yeah, of I think I mean, the access to is just like a lot of people out there is just out their back door. I think you get some of that culture stuff like when you go to certain parts of Pennsylvania or the Northeast. You know, like I definitely mm -hmm. see hints of it in certain pockets, like when you go like to Northern PA and stuff like that, you'll get like hints yeah. of it, but there's still like very much a hunting heritage type of, uh, enclave, if you will. And it's not, there's nothing yeah. wrong. There's, it's not bad or good, but it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And we don't live, um, I mean here in Idaho, we don't live in a commuter city mm -hmm. as to where a lot of the East coast, those smaller towns that you live in, 
the majority of the people that live there are commuting to bigger cities to, you know, work in a corporate job. Whereas here, there's no bigger cities to travel to. And so the people that live here either have lived here their whole life. And so that this is in their culture or they moved here because they wanted to be a part of that culture. Right. And so, yeah, it's not uncommon. So in Pennsylvania, if you were to shoot a deer and go to the gas station, you might get a couple guys like nice high five or whatever. But then you would also get like some looks and maybe you might offend some people. Oh, you mean like and the time here, you mean like the time you had like blood running out the back of your your trunk of your car? <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely. I love that story. It's like one of my yeah, favorite they, Wilson stories. <laughs> yeah. Deer in the trunk and the blood is coming out and people are freaking out. But here, like when you come out, if you if we shoot an elk, there's this restaurant that you go to and you just get a you know We'll eat some dinner or lunch or whatever it is. And then you just stand out at your, you're we'll literally just stand at my truck and we'll just talk to people because people will want to come and see you out. They'll be like, yeah. And they'll come up and high five you. And then they'll be like, where'd you shoot that? You know? And, uh, it's just like a community thing. Like we'll call all the friends and all, everyone will come down and we'll be there for five, six hours. Nice. Just hanging out at the, at the I was diner. a part of, I was a part of many of them cause I would drive by and I'm like, that guy shot an elk and I just pulled in, walk up, you give him a high five, you look at it, you're like, sweet. My buddy's friend shot a mountain lion. He called me. I left work, drove over there. We're standing around this mountain lion for an hour just talking with people because it's just, it's an, it's normal. It feels so. like the story there, you know, is, is paramount, right? Like if you're, if you're making a point to go to a place just to hang, to converse, like it's people are interested in the story of what, of what happened. Oh yeah. You know, um, I I saw a little bit of that when I was in Iowa. Um, you know, there was a dude at the gas station. I think almost sometimes though, in some whitetail places, it's almost frowned upon, like someone's showing off, you know, like this guy, uh, when I I was in, and I don't know if this is true. I just kind of assumed again, you know, a little, a little bit culturally ignorant, uh, to different places. Um, you know, what the etiquette is, I guess might be one way to say it. But went to, you know, when I was in Iowa, there was a guy who shot a hammer and I drove by like the gas station probably three different times. And he was still at the gas station three different times when I drove by three different times with his, <laughs> with a tailgate down. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> letting it, letting it eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyone want to see my deer? <laughs> yeah. And I can't say that there was a lot of people stopping by necessarily. A lot of people looking, you know, um, I think people who are stopping at the, at it, well, it was at Casey's, uh, shocker. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, people who were stopping into Casey's would like say something to the guy or whatever, but he also wasn't standing out by his truck. He was just standing inside too, which is a little bit different. Maybe, maybe he should be outside by the deer. Maybe he should have a sign like shot, yeah. shot, I shot big, a deer. <laughs> I shot big deer. Come talk to me about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it just awesome. seems like people want to, I mean, you're going to get those pockets of elite people, you know, who are like, I hiked 27 miles to shoot this elk and carried it out by myself in my loincloth. Right. And they don't want you to know, and they're going to ha- they're never going to tell anybody about it. And these old timers who shoot an elk every year or deer every year, you're never going to know. But the common theme, the thread, seems to be that people want you to succeed. Because hmm. um, it's not easy hunting out here, It's which is what I'm learning. It's The topography is nasty. And... 
it's forest. There's not, it's not like you see in a lot of Western videos where you're sitting there and you're glassing, you know, all these barren hillsides for elk moving through little pockets of trees. It's like, you got to know where you're at, where you're going and how to hunt in thick, steep, nasty terrain. Yeah. I mean, you live not far from Troy Pottinger. Like you guys live relatively close together. What up, Troy? Yeah. I don't, uh, I'm, if he lives near me, I haven't seen him. Yeah, he lives. I've, he he doesn't live far from you. Whenever I had him on, um, he mentioned, you know, well, he lives not far from. Uh, how, okay. how, how do you say it? Cordelaine? Cordelaine? Cordelaine. Cordelaine. Or if um, you're French, it's Queer de Lone. Queer de Lone. Yeah, that's how <laughs> that's how I'm going to refer to it when I come out and see how <laughs> yeah. see how quickly I get punched in the face. <laughs> I love Queer de Lone. People are like get out of here, <laughs> leave in. Uh, Are you from California? Hit the road, <laughs> hit the road, Jack. Um, yeah, I mean that's one thing he talks about when I've talked to him, just about you know him chasing mountain bucks out there and stuff like that. Where he, it's just it's vast, it's rugged, a uh, lot of timber. And to your point, I think when a lot of people think of elk hunting or hunting the West in general, you know they they do think of those kind of uh, hunting the high desert, if you will, right, like the southern Montana kind of area and stuff like that, where you can. Or southern, southern Idaho as well. Same thing. Yeah, where you can just see a long ways. You get on a knob, and it's just like you can glass for days, you know. But you're up in the area where it's just, you know, it's timber country. You know, if if people think yeah. about it in relationship to how close you are to like Spokane, Washington, and stuff like that, and think about you know the logging industry and stuff that exists there. I mean, it's very similar. Yeah. To, to where you're at. Yeah, it's pronounced Spokane. Spokane. Okay, what did I say? Spokane. Yeah, Spokane. Spokane or Spokompton. Spokompton? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm going to get beat up out there with all my mispronunciations. That's that's what's going to happen. No, you're going to get here. We're going to get whatever supplies you need, and I'm going to get you to the woods as quick as I can. <laughs> nice. You don't want to be seen with me. Like, hey, let's get this flatlander yeah. into the woods nope. so uh, people don't, don't see me. Wear no skinny jeans or oh, you dude. know your Ray-Ban. Dude, I'm totally wearing some Ray-Bans. I'm going to wear some skinny <laughs> jeans. You know, actually, I'm going to come out with like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to fit in. And knowing that people are wearing bathing suits at the gas station, I'm going to wear like the Borat slingshot. You oh. know what I mean? Like, I'm going to just Praise rock. Lord. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to rock one of those. You know what I mean? Yes. And just so they, and then I'm going to pronounce it uh, however the French pronounce it, you know, like Ricky Bobby. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give it that little French twist with my Borat I would, slingshot. I would enjoy it. You would enjoy that? that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't we don't judge. No, no. All right, good. Good to hear. So you can plan on seeing me come from the airport and that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, man, when we we were talking about working, uh folks working at the at the at the stores, the cashiers or whatever. Speaking of your work, you also had a pretty big transition in terms of your work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um you're now working in the outdoor industry. You know, yeah. I know it's something you've wanted to do for, for a long time, but how's that transition been? How's working in the outdoor industry? Is it what you expected? Not what you expected? Are you hunting? Are you able to hunt more or less than you, than you had in the past or that more or less than you thought you'd be able to? And like, and what are you actually doing? Um, yeah, no, it was a big jump. I went from working at a church as a pastor for almost 11 years, 10 years to working in the outdoor industry and it's been awesome it's been a great transition because i love to build i love to create i love to make things and we make game calls so we make duck calls goose calls 
turkey calls, and then we manufacture, you know, any kind of game call you can think of, we manufacture it for people in the industry, um, like private label stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome just being able to, I mean, kill, go duck hunting with a duck call that you made. Right. Or shoot a turkey with a diaphragm call that you came up with. It is, it's satisfying in a whole bunch of different ways. Right. Um, are you, I mean, are, are you, your hunt time, you know, cause so this is, this is why I ask all my other buddies who, you know, work in the outdoor industry or the hunting industry, you know, everyone always has the assumption. It's like, man, I want to work in the outdoor industry. Cause then I'm going to be able to hunt a lot. It's like, well, <laughs> typically hunting's not your job. You know, you're still working. And so you still have to kind of work around your work schedule or whatever. And like what I found is most of those dudes, they actually hunt a lot less than they thought they would. And a lot of them actually get less opportunity to hunt than I do. And so I'm just mm-hmm. curious what your, uh, you know, how much are you getting to hunt? Is it more or less than you thought or more and less, more or less than you have in the past? Um, well, it's interesting cause I didn't, I haven't shot a deer in a year. It yeah. has been over a year because when I moved West, I have to live here, you know, a certain amount of time to become a resident. Yep. And in Idaho, the non-resident tags, they're over the counter, but they sell out. Like they're already sold out for this year, this coming upcoming season. Right. So when I moved here, I didn't have any opportunity to hunt. And so I kind of had a reset of like, you don't hunt. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hard reset, bro. (laughs) Oh, trust me. I was like, oh, it was brutal. But I... I learned a lot and I grew a lot in some cool areas, but, and we can talk about that later, but so I didn't hunt like deer. I didn't hunt elk. I didn't do any big game hunting. Uh, waterfowl hunting though, that's a tag that you can buy over the counter out of state pretty cheap. So on the waterfowling side of things, uh, which is the first thing I, that's what got me into hunting was waterfowl hunting. It's what I, I think I enjoy the most, honestly. Waterfowl and turkey hunting. I love deer hunting. I love elk hunting. But a waterfowl, I think the camaraderie of doing it with guys, I love it. Yeah. I got to do it more than I think I ever have in my life. That's cool. And now it wasn't at a sacrifice. Like, I'm not getting paid. You know, I'm not, if I wanted to go hunt like midweek, I had the freedom to, but it wasn't like I was on the clock getting paid to, to go hunt. Right. So, I think that was like a misconception is like you work in the outdoor industry and you get paid to hunt. Well, not necessarily, not in my situation. And so now there's times like right now during Turkey season where we're making Turkey hunting films. We hired a guy um, named Zach. He just moved here from Indiana and he full-time media marketing for us. And so that's different where we need to make a film. So we need to go hunt. And so, I guess you would say I am getting paid on that sense, but it's not like I've ever looked at it like, Oh, now I get paid to hunt. And so, and it all depends on work schedule, like what jobs we have going on, because there's many times where I wanted to go hunt on a Saturday, but I had to work because we had to get, you know, we had to get some amount of calls done by X X day or whatever. Yeah. You're on a production schedule. Yep. Yeah. Cause we are manu we manufacture. And so, you know, no matter you order how few or how many calls we got to get them done. And if we can't get them done, 
then we're not hunting. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is very, and I mean, 50, when I got hired, it was like 50% of our staff didn't even hunt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And so, yeah. They're the one guy's a CNC programming master and he's, and he's just finishing the senior year in college. Is all our design never hunted in his life. Hmm. Um, his little brother is kind of, he does our finishing shipping and stuff. He'd never hunted in his life. We took him on his first goose hunt this year and he shot a goose and that was the only goose we shot in the whole hunt. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, how was it? And he goes, yes, it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> and then, so we kind of been trying to get him in the other kid, Matt. He's also one of our guys. He finishes all the calls. They look good. Matt's finishing them, buffing them, making sure they're nice and ready to roll. He went goose hunting and duck hunting and he is all in now. So that's been pretty fun. He just shot his first turkey a few days ago. And uh, so slowly it, that number is getting less. Right. And, but it, it seems like, it seems like at times though, you're at least getting to kill two birds with one stone, right? Like you're getting to work in the outdoor industry, which you like, cause it keeps you connected right to the things oh, that yeah. you really like and you're making products and you know, and that you're actually getting to use. And then it gives you some flexibility to, be able to go hunt or make a choice to have the freedom to make a choice, right? Out, yeah. You know, well, production schedule, notwithstanding, you know, within realm yeah. of reason. Right. But there is more flexibility than maybe you would have had in the past. Yeah. Well, your boss understands like, I'm like, Hey, it's rained for three days straight. Tomorrow morning's going to be sunny. I'm going to go turkey hunting. Right. Well, as you should, as you there's should. not a, right. There's not a, our, I mean, our, our, my two bosses, they're, great and if they listen to this i'm not sucking up you're good dudes but uh yeah they understand like if you're getting your work done and you want to hunt there's no question there's not like that question of like you're going to do what right you're gonna hunt you're gonna what you're gonna go sit out in the rain and shoot a duck right. like they get it and you know we're doing marketing for our calls while we're out there we're getting content and whatnot and so yeah. it all kind of plays in that same picture and, and I know you go in like crazy early too, because you're how far behind are you? You're two hours behind or is it three hours behind me? Three, three hours, three hours behind me. And I would be up just getting my workout done. You know what I mean? And I would be yeah. getting ready to post stuff on a Wednesday for the podcast. And I would get on the Instagram to start posting stuff. And like, uh, there's a Wilson McSwain story of his cup of coffee driving to work at like four, oh, dark 30, <laughs> four, yeah. four dark 30. Oh Yeah. You know, so it's nice that yeah. you kind of have that flexibility where it's like, hey, if I have extra stuff I need to get done, I can just hop in early, knock it out, and then yep. be good to go. Yeah, I've always been a morning person, and um, yeah, so I've I've always been a if I can get stuff done first thing, then that's what I'm going to do. All right now, you mentioned I wanted to get back to it because you said we could talk about that too. You mentioned growth in a lot of ways. What did you What did you mean by that? I hunted an extreme amount with no weapons. <laughs> so that's awesome. Like, I've never been elk hunting before. I mean, never, never even really been in the woods with an elk mm -hmm. in my life. And now I live in a place where I can elk hunt right here, you know, 15 minutes from my house. And so this summer I was like, well, I'm going to start scouting. I'm going to start, 
I'm not going to sit and wallow in self-pity that I can't hunt. I'm going to just figure it out. So that next season, because we have a busy season, this coming elk season, um, I'm totally prepared. So I would just go. My wife didn't move here right away. I moved out like three months before her. And so after work on Friday, actually I was working 410. So after work on Thursday, I would get in my truck and I would drive up to the mountains and I would spend my weekend in the mountains hiking scouting looking for elk and my first time up there i'm sitting down at the very first place i ever pulled off and this was like i don't know june and i get my binoculars i'm like shoot there's some elk right there this isn't hard it's so easy <laughs> it's like what i hear all these people complaining about man they're yeah. right there i was like i've been in the mountains for like 15 minutes and i already found a herd of elk i don't know what everyone's complaining about and um so then i just i don't know by luck by chance or whatever these elk had just watched all summer long. And then, you know, I got a little alert on my phone that was like, uh, you know, prepare for archery season starts on this weekend or whatever. So I was like, man, I'm going to go up there during archery season and see what the public land is like here. I mean, we have a million acres of public land. And so I went up there on archery elk opener, which is the last day of August, I think. And I was just blown away. I got there the day before opener and I passed two little kind of setups like mine, like truck with a canopy on the back and the guy sleeping in the bed. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Hmm. And then that first day, I just kind of hiked down into this drainage where I'd watch these elk all summer and blew my bugle. I was like, I don't know how to do this, but I got a bugle tube and a reed thing in my mouth. I'm going to blow it. And the elk bugled back. I was like, what in the world? And here comes this little kind of satellite bull, I think you call him, mm -hmm. through the woods, like wanting to fight. <laughs> and uh, I was I was hooked on elk hunting right then. I was like, I, I am absolutely hooked. And then so I drove around for that whole weekend. And I think I counted like, man, I want to say like 15-ish vehicles in the span of three days of driving and probably over 100 miles. Right. Yeah. On dirt roads. So it was just, I was pretty impressed. And then I went out that second weekend and it was absolutely packed. Oh, really? So, yeah. And so I guess a lot of guys, um, our tag system works differently. So some rifle hunters can hunt the second part of archery season. And a lot of those out of towners come in that mid first week and hunt that second weekend. Right. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot. I deer, same thing with deer hunting. I didn't get to deer hunt, but I got to hunt without a weapon and scout and figure out. So this deer season, I'm, I'm pumped because uh, we have got some sweet spots that are, you know, I got some boat in spots. I got some access through some private land to public. Cause a lot of our public is really hard to get to because of private. Mm -hmm. And so I got a ton of access through private land onto public. And, um, yeah, topography has been a huge thing to figure out. I'm used to hunting farm fields and like flat, maybe a swamps creek. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah or a creek, swamps, yeah. creek bottom. And it was cool. Cause I kind of like, we did it in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. We killed, I've killed bucks on farms. We killed them in near creeks and we figured not figured it out, but this is just like, it's a whole restart of like, there's a mountain and there's deer on it somewhere. Right. Go figure it out. 
Yeah. That's cool, man. That's, that's like one of my favorite things. You know, one of the things I like most about just travel hunting in general is that whole idea of like, okay, I can find them in these areas. You know, I've successfully found them, you know, or, or killed them in some instances. Now I'm in a new place. What, what do I know that's transferable? Yep. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And then what, what are the things that are starting from ground zero that I just, I, I need, I need to figure out. Cause I, I just don't know, you know? And, yeah. And that to me is, you know, one of my favorite parts about travel hunting is that, is that you just don't know. And the other thing is too, is that there's a level of excitement that is with that type of, that type of approach, because you really don't have any preconceived notions of what, what to expect or what's going to happen. And so it's almost, you know, I kind of envy sometimes, I don't want to say envy is a strong word to use because I don't like to envy really anybody or anything, but yeah. you know, it's, when you see a new hunter or someone who's doing something that's newer at something and they get to have that experience for the first time, right. That's, that, that's, you know, uh, awe inspiring for them. And yeah, when you do it for a while, you kind of, I don't want to say it's not as awe inspiring, but it, you, uh, maybe you take it for granted. It might be a better way to say it, you know, cause you've seen it a couple, you know, different times play out different ways or whatever. Um, I mean, yeah. I still get excited even when does approach. So it's not like I don't, I don't get excited. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I still get jacked up when, when critters are, you know, coming into me. Um, yep. but you know, for example, like the first time you see a buck come in and like really work a scrape and like make a rub in front of you, you know what I mean? Like really tear one up or whatever. Like that's super cool. You know, um, you know, have seen that got, you know, have got to witness that in a couple of different States and stuff like that. But a person who had never seen it before, now I can watch it and I'm like, okay, he's going to go over and do this. Oh, he's going to hit that scrape. And he's probably going to hit that rub. that's right there. A person who's seen it for the first time is like, holy smokes. Did you see that? Like, do you see what he just did? You know, there's a level yeah. of excitement because they just are unaware of what the deer is going to do next or what the animal is going to do next. So I don't oh, know. Yeah. I feel like you're getting to kind of like almost like a rebirth of hunting where it's all brand new yeah, well, and you, you get to have that brand new, that new car smell experience. Yeah, well, when the elk came in, I literally was like, I'm in awe, right? And this elk is at, I mean, to me, it seemed like he was at like 10 feet, but he's probably at like 30 yards. And I realized like after he walked away, I was like, there's no way I could have shot him. I'm standing like in a terrible spot. I'm wide out in the open. I got nothing behind me. And I was like, I, if I had my bow, I would have absolutely blew it. Right. And how many times we've we done that deer hunting, right? Like mm -hmm. you get in, you set up in your spot and they, deer comes in maybe it's even a shooter which i've had plenty of times and i'm like i did not think of that i did not think that there's this trail coming here and bedding is over you know say to my to my east and he's coming from food and i am set up totally facing the wrong way and i miss an opportunity because i just overlooked something and now with elk hunting i'm like what is there to overlook mm -hmm. and what do i need to figure out and right. I, and who knows, may not shoot an elk for a handful of years because right. everyone, well, you gotta, I, I hunted 15 years before I shot my first elk or I did this or that. I was like, well, you don't know how determined I am, <laughs> but, um, well, there's so many things I got to learn. So many things that are overlooked that I got to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, look, I'm no elk hunting expert far from it. Um, only thing I know is from you know, people who have done it well that I've had a chance to talk to like Eddie Claypool, for example, like that dude, man, the podcast I did with him 
I, I forget I forget the first year he went elk hunting. I want to say it was like either nineteen eighty or like nineteen seventy nine. He literally Yeesh. went out he yeah, he either it was one of those two years. I can't remember exactly what year it was. But he went to Colorado with a pair of blue jeans, like some flannel shirts and like a pair of work boots. Like that's that's how he rolled <laughs> that's how he rolled out. He was way ill prepared. He ended up finding elk. He didn't kill one. But then from that point forward, I asked him on the podcast and I was like, you know, what's your success rate, you know, when you, when you elk hunt now. And his response was, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of which one. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, if I had to put a percentage on it, he's like, probably something like 98% or something like that. And he's like, I think the only year I didn't kill one, if, if he wasn't mistaken was the first year he went out. I think he filled his tag at, uh, on an elk every year that he's gone elk hunting, which has been every year since that he's filled his tag, which is, That's- insane yeah um but it's all about thermals that's at least that's what i hear that's what people have have told me i mean and i've elk elk hunted in the past so it's like i've had a little bit of experience but it's certainly you know and it's not surprising right because you're dealing with steep terrain right and you're you're dealing with the heating and cooling of the of the earth and so you're going to have some you know the elk are going to use those thermals to their to their advantage not just to find you know keep their, their harem in check or whatever, but obviously they're, they're trying to survive, especially in the areas in which you live, which have mountain lions, wolves, grizzlies, you know what I mean? So it's, it's not like they're, it's not like they're just trying to avoid people. You know, they have, they have real, um, they have real kind of survival needs that they have to be, that they have to be sharp. Yeah. It's like humans actually are probably the least of their worries. Yeah, most likely, especially in that dense timber up there, because it's not like you're able to take yeah. like in most cases, like a 60 yard, 70 yard shot at an elk, you know, like you would be able yeah. to in somewhere that's like, you know, a meadow, you know, in, you know, in, in the part of the high desert somewhere where you have like a meadow that opens up in, in between some dark timber or in a drainage or something like that. You know, you're yeah. just not going to get that type of shot where you're, where you're at, at least from what I understand and talking to you and talking to Troy, it's like that just that type of stuff isn't going to happen. Yeah. And when you come out, the thing is like, I can almost guarantee you we're, we're going to get, we'll, we'll be an elk, but it's just a matter of, can we get to them and B, can we get to them successfully? Right. Right. And I'm not, I'm not surprised that you kind of like, you know, fell in love with uh, elk hunting right away, considering how much you like turkey hunting. Cause before I went elk hunting, the way everyone described it to me was, you know, if you like turkey hunting and like, you know, working turkeys and listen to them call and stuff like that, this is like hunting a 900 pound turkey, you know, yeah. aside from like, you know, they're going to use the wind and, and things like that. Right. So different. Right. But the principle of you're going to call locate and go try to find and then try to sweet talk. Oh yeah. You know, it's what I mean. We're in the middle of turkey season right now. And it's like my favorite thing. You get out there, you do a locator call, owl call, crow call, whatever. And if that bird responds and gobbles, it is like, it's game on. It's now, it's like, what do we do? How do we get there? Luckily, turkeys don't smell. Right. They can't smell you. I mean, they stink when you shoot one, but it's like, how can you go get that animal? As to where a deer, I mean, if deer, if whitetails bugled or made any sort of like locator noise, I know they grunt, I know they do all that stuff, right? But right. If you could locate a, a whitetail from 300 yards away in Pennsylvania, especially where you're at, it'd be game over. Right. 
Yeah. We, they would be extinct. Yeah, I would love that. Actually, I wouldn't because they would be extinct probably, but uh, it would make life <laughs> a lot easier. <laughs> you could walk to the edge of the timber, make your locator call. That deer grunts, you hear him from 200 yards away. It's like, sweet, or I'm going to go this way. Even, He's going over here. Even better yet, you go to the edge of that timber, you grunt, you don't hear anything. You're like, he ain't in there. I'm out of here. I'm going to another spot other other than – or. You know, and and then not end up spending a full day sitting in a tree from sun up to sundown, and him never oh, being within two miles of you. <laughs> dude, I hunted a buck for many years. I think I talked about it on this podcast before, um, and he was like, "This I wanted to kill this buck so bad." And I sat like three or four days in a row from sun up to sundown, trying to shoot this deer, and I didn't see him one time. And I was like, "What in the world is wrong?" And then I had a buddy text me, and he was like got this crazy buck on camera and it was like a mile away. And I was like, are you kidding me? I hunted this buck that had just totally changed areas. And it was right at that time, that switch at the beginning of the rut where it's like, he started, he started getting his miles on sort of moving. Yep. And every year he kind of rutted in that, the same kind of corridor. And he just basically hopped this, the street and was running on a different property. And I just sat there for nothing for four days yeah. and yeah if you could locate deer and then just go hunt different properties that would be it would be, change the game yeah it would the uh so was turkey season your actually your first hunting season and i know that you were actually i mean aside from waterfowl i know you did some waterfowl stuff but like was turkey season kind of like the first like uh in the mountains hunting i guess is one way to say it, that you that you had a chance to do yeah i mean i did get a mountain lion tag and uh, I have a buddy whose dad and his friend run dogs. And they said, hey, we we um, get your tag because I may just call you and say we cut some tracks and just show up. So I had that in my pocket. I never actually went. And then, um, but yeah, so turkey would be my first, like, besides waterfowl, my first hunting season in Idaho. And it has been awesome. So, yeah. So tell me how how are turkeys in the mountains? Cause I did some mountain bird hunting this past weekend Yeah, um, in a podcast of recapping some of that. Well, actually not recapping cause it was in the middle of, um, failed attempt, uh, a couple days, weather wasn't great located, you know, one on the, on the last day that we were there in the morning that, uh, they flew off the roost super late. Um, a lot of fog. And once they came down, we were actually getting ready to leave and we actually caught the, so we roosted this bird the day before, and came back. The weather was crap. We ended up, you know, walking him where we thought he was at. And we were right where he was at. He just didn't gobble on the limb and they didn't fly down until super late. And when he hit the ground, he, he gobbled. And, and by that time we were getting ready to leave and they made it actually across the road onto like another piece of private. Um, and, it, and we, I mean, there was just, we weren't going to call them uh, across the road. They weren't going to, they weren't going to have any of it. At one point we thought they might, cause they started coming closer um, there was, I think, two gobblers and, and two jakes is what it sounded like. Uh, we might have been fooled. It might have just been one gobbler. But it started moving closer to us. Then a truck came by and talked to a guy along this, like, dirt access road. And once they did, once that happened, it just basically blew the birds out. And they, they, they either shut up or they split one or the other. Yeah. And so at that point, it was kind of game over. We ran to a couple other spots real quick uh, because this happened. We were done at, like, with those, with those birds by, like, like 1030, I think that kind of wrapped up and so we 
we jetted to two other spots and just tried to call and locate something to, to make a move on and just, we didn't get a single gobble. And that was kind of the, the end of it. I don't know if I'll get out even one, I'll probably get out one more time at the end of May uh, with my dad back on his farm, but turkey season is probably for the most part a wash for me at this point. Um, but how was, uh, so I did a little mountain bird hunting, not nearly those big, big, uh, big mountains that you got going on out there. So how was the, uh, how was your mountain bird experience? It was sweet. My, um, first place I shed hunt out here. So on a lot of, there's a lot of logging company property out did here. Did you find sheds? No, I didn't. Okay. No, I did not find a shed. All right. There you go. End of that story. I, Moving I, on to turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I shed. It was like not even the right area to shed hunt. It's like, not their wintering range and hmm. everyone was like there's no elk up there like they would never shed up there i was like oh something to learn right put uh, that in my pocket yeah so but i had seen some turkey tracks and so i got on the map and i started doing some looking and most of this public land is landlocked by a lake and private land and where i wanted to go is miles miles on foot and to turkey hunt is so early in the morning i'm like i'm not hiking 10 miles in the dark right over all these ridges and so we took our we took a boat across this lake and it's still it's a mile and a half i think to get to the top and that first day we went out went out with my good buddy clancy he's got a boat and we got to the edge of the the timber and i owl called from the lake and birds lit up across the whole mountainside. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced, like locating a bird from the water and the gobbles like echo out over the water. Wow. Because that public touches the lake for, you know, on a hundred yards. Mm -hmm. So we parked the boat and hiked up and we called in a bird literally to, I want to say about four feet behind us. And he gobbled down our neck which we weren't expecting. And he came out, I don't know, a few feet from my buddy who was the shoot, who was shooting. And he was like, Oh, humans, I'm out. It was just way too close to have a turkey. Hmm. Right. Uh, that in that thick of cover that we were in. But so I went back another time and worked birds and they work very different in the mountains up here. Like back home in the Midwest, you can put a decoy out in the field and usually call bird across a field mm -hmm. or in the timber you can work a bird through the timber and they're going to come as long as there's not a lot of obstacles. Well here in a lot of these clear cuts, these clear cuts have drainages through them and clear cutting here. It's, there's not a lot of ground foliage. So it's just mm. logs and stumps and sticks. Right. And I'm trying to call these birds, you know, 150 yards across this clear cut. I'm like, why are they not coming? They're just strutting on this logging road. Let me watch them for a few hours. And you know, they don't travel like I'm used to. Like mm -hmm. calling a bird in the mountains is way, way different when the topography is drastic. Because mm -hmm. mountain, even where you're at, it's a lot of rolling mountain. Yeah. You know, so you have little ridges that dip down and then not like, you don't have a lot of peaks. Yeah. And here we have peaks and, and drainages that are steep and, and birds don't cross them. So it took me two days, I guess, to figure that out. And then the third day we, um, we shot him, we shot a bird and it was weird. He had no spurs. Hmm. It appeared 
the second day I was there, I called in a bird and I looked at my buddy who's filming and I said, he's got no spurs and no beard and they had rain. And so I think his beard was just tucked up in his feathers. Right. And, um, that second day I shot this bird. I'm like, I can see his full beard. He's got full fan. I'm shooting him. Cause I don't really pass on turkeys that have a full fan and a full beard. Right. And, uh, got up to me had no spurs i was like this is crazy and i guess miriam's it's not super uncommon for them to not grow a large spur nice was uh, that was it your first miriam no i'd shot i'd shot a couple miriams in kansas before okay so i just need to shoot if i shoot an osceola then i'll have my slam nice um, so. so i guess you're going to florida next year yeah we well we talked about going this year but we our company is doing a turkey tour and we just couldn't fit florida in the tour so we did we shot birds in texas um with a good buddy actually an outfitter out there we went out we sponsor um their that outfitter and he said well you don't have clients if you want to come hunt with me and have some fun so we stayed out there a couple days and shot two rios nice um in a place where nobody should go there's rattlesnakes and things that want to kill you there mm, yeah no no thanks that, how, how was the texas hunt how was hunt, was that your first time hunting texas yeah yeah it was my first time hunting texas that we heard two birds gobble and we killed those two birds that was it <laughs> nice yeah it was uh, it was a it, it was, was a business cool trip <laughs> yeah literally i'm like the first day we didn't hear a gobble didn't see a turkey Second day, these two birds gobbled and we killed them. And I was like, it was, we, our emotions were low. I was like, we came out here. We had a trade show that we were out there for. And then we stayed a couple of days later to hunt. And yeah, it was hard hunting. And you're in the dark going to sit up against a tree that may have a copperhead or a rattlesnake or a black mamba. I don't know what kind of snakes are out there, but things that want to kill you a black mamba i mean they got they got king cobras you're like you're naming all of them you're like i don't know Dude, they're all they, bad <laughs> they got pythons and panther snakes and <laughs> state and snakes i don't even know yeah dude i, but, I uh I, so texas is one of those places i would love to go hunt i actually have a place that I, I'll, I'll talk to you off after we're off offline about about it because it's a little hidey hole gem that I don't want to let the cat out of the bag on, but yeah. it's a hard place to go. It's public, but it's just a hard place to, to get uh, access to hunt it. Um, and they have giants there. And so I'm making a, I'm making a hunt plan. It's part of my like hunt plan for like the next five to 10 years or whatever. Um, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to going and I was kind of checking it out on the map and there's a little bit of topography and stuff like that. And, um, and I was looking at the habitat and it's just all kind of weird, sandy, you know, bullshit really. And like cactusy looking. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm just, I hate snakes. Like I cannot stand Ugh. snakes. And like, that's one thing that would keep me from going places to hunt is literally like having too many snakes. That's how bad I don't like how much I don't like them. And yeah, I didn't think about it whenever I was kind of making my hunt plan. And this person was telling me about this spot and I was like, man, chance to kill a giant in texas like really like okay oh really there's that like it's it's like a, a thing where you have to have like there's some hoops you got to jump through to be able to you know have access to this uh to this public and it's super low pressure with giants uh yeah sign me up i'm, I'm in you know and then after like two or three days i was thinking about it, i was like man there's gonna be a shit pile of snakes there <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> 
we were out hunting and we come back to the truck, you know, for midday snack or get some water or something. And he was like, check out this seven foot snake I shot while you guys were out there. And I was like, get out. I'm done. <laughs> get me to the plane. <laughs> I'm out of here. Oh, no, well, we have content to film. I don't care. I like my life better than content. Like right. I was just like, I was, I almost threw up. So aside from that dead snake, did you see any, any rattlers? No, we didn't, but we saw some pigs and, uh, our buddy got charged by a pig and he's like running around this tree. He carries <laughs> around this like four foot pole with a, at, like a big blade on the end of it. looks like a machete duct tape to a pole. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this for? He goes, oh, snakes and pigs. I was like, get, I'm done. I can't. Yeah. And he's like hitting this tree and this pigs chasing him around. I was like, dude, I, I wasn't there for it. And if I was, I would, I would have just shot him and the snake and the pig. I'm like, get, you're both dying. Right. Well, I guess that saying, don't mess with Texas. Yeah. They have it for a reason. You know? Oh yeah. Stuff there wants to kill you. The dust is incredible. It's like, if it's, it was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Like Texas has got its own kind of beauty, but it's not for the weak of heart or people who are afraid of bugs and snakes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. So where else yeah. do you, so you've been to, you obviously killed your bird in Idaho and then Texas, where else are you going or, or are uh, you, or are you guys done? We are doing a Turkey camp this weekend in Southern Idaho. So we got a bunch of our good buddies coming out to, turkey hunt some mountain range um south of here so that'll be fun we got a wall tent nice and uh yeah it'll be fun it's gonna be a full nine yards and then next the following weekend i'm going to wyoming um to hunt some public and probably mix a private Mm -hmm. there and then we have another buddy in montana that we're gonna jump over to montana and shoot a bird in montana as well so our tour consists of Texas, Texas, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Washington, and Oregon. Oh, nice. And so, Are you going to I Washington, Oregon, or is someone else doing those? Yeah, I'll, I just won't go to Oregon. Uh, I don't think I'm going to Oregon. Um, okay. We shot a bird in Oregon already, and uh, we, we still have some tags for Oregon, so if we have time, we're going to jump back down there. But I'll hunt Washington, and I will hunt. I got a bird in Idaho, but I have more tags for Idaho and Washington still. So my hope is to shoot birds in Washington, Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. So that's a lot of birds, man. You got yeah, no, should be good. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about you know deer hunting, and you and you're looking forward to your first kind of deer hunting season. You know, do you? I guess what's your, what's your game plan for this year? I mean, do you have, because you, you know, you were hunting last year without a gun, right? So do you have a game plan of, do you think you know where there's some, where you might have some prospects or do you know of some deer that are around? You know, I didn't, I don't even know if you ran trail cameras or anything last year. No, I didn't run trail cameras last year. Um, but I did do a bunch of scouting. I went to, a place I hunted twice with people with weapons. I went on one elk hunt with a guy, took him out and that, uh, we walked right up on this herd of elk at like 40 yards and these cows kind of run out and this massive six by six dark timbered bull stands up 
I don't know, about 50 yards during rifle season and he couldn't see him and he stepped out into the open and it was just a cluster. Um, but that was cool to see an elk of the, that caliber up close. Mm-hmm. And then I went deer hunting with a guy in a spot that he kind of, he'd hunted before and I had been looking out on the maps and he, this 10 point, I guess here they call them five by fives or five point. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, came up and the, the angle was so steep. He shot and his bullet hit the dirt before it got to the deer. <laughs> Are you and, sure uh, you told me about that actually? Yeah. Cause he couldn't see the dirt in his scope. And I mean, the deer was seven feet from him. So just nice. standing there at us. So, yeah, so I got some good deer spots, but I think my plan for this year is I'm going to archery hunt elk for the whole archery elk season. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to probably rifle hunt deer. When does deer season come in out there? The same day as elk season. Ah, uh, okay. And so I, I want to, I want to put my, my archery hunting efforts towards elk. Yeah. Um, Makes because sense. I can, I can archery hunt deer still, you know, the whole season, but I think how it's going to turn out is I'm probably going to just archery hunt elk. Uh, we'll archery hunt with you when you come out. Yep. And if a bull's not big enough for you to shoot, I'll shoot it. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, I see, then, I see a branch layer. It's happening. Yeah. But it's cool. So I got you coming out for archery elk season and then, my uncle in lives in Minnesota. His lifelong dream is to hunt elk in Idaho. And I moved here and he said, Hey, can I come out and elk hunt? I was like, sure. So he got a tag. He, he got a tag. His son got a tag and his two best friends got a tag. So we're going to have a rifle camp nice. and rifle elk starts the same time as rifle deer. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that I've already shot an elk with, with my bow and then while I'm elk hunting with them, I'll have a rifle and I'll probably um, shoot my white tail with a rifle this year. Nice. And I don't, I've never killed a deer. I don't think I've ever shot a, I never shot a deer with a, with a rifle. And so somebody got me a rifle as like a going away gift. And so I'm going to try to put it to use. Nice. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm pretty stoked to come out. Uh, it's been a few years since I've had a chance to elk hunt. Um, yeah. And so I'm looking forward to, to coming out and, and chasing some elk with you. What's the, uh, what are our prospects looking like for, for elk hunting? I know we have some cameras out soaking right now and some, some elk spots. What do you, uh, what, what's our, what's our plan for this year? Cause I'm leaving all, well, so just so people know, I'm leaving all the planning up to Wilson. I'm literally <laughs> going to fly in with my stuff and then we're going yep. to, and we're going to head to the woods and then we're just going to run around the woods like, like, like maniacs and try to find elk. Yeah. I hope that you leave this trip just going, I never want to go back because I'm so tired. <laughs> I hope so, it's that. And because we packed something out, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, no, we, I'm going to go pull some cameras this weekend. They've been out, um, for a month and a half now, uh, Turkey, we're going to go Turkey hunt near where we're going to elk hunt. So I'm going to pull those cams and just see, you know, what it's looking like there was still snow down there when i put the cameras out so i know stuff is starting to change elk are starting to move back into their summer ranges mm-hmm. and so we are going to hunt all public access you know we're going to drive and kind of spike camp from our vehicles since it's just you and me we're going to try to stay as light as possible yep 
and get back to where uh, not a lot of people are going because that archery season here, people are traveling into DIY or they're weekend hunters. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a lot of people spending the amount of time that you're, you and I are going to spend out there. So I'm going to, we're going to just try to get back as far as we can. Yeah. Cause there's some just, there's some untouched areas that I'm sure people have gone. I guarantee you they've gone, but it's just not fun to get there. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I'll be there for opening day, which it's, yep. I mean, it's cool. It's, it's different that it opens, you know, on the last day of the month, you know, regardless yep. of what day of the week it is, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, because we'll get some, we'll get, cause I think if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it's like a Wednesday or a Thursday that it opens. Yeah. I, I think it's a Wednesday. Yeah. So we'll it's I, called, oh, it's two days after my birthday. So we'll have a birthday celebration and we'll kill an oak. Nice. And, and it's kind of cool because it opens in the middle of the week. So you get like that opening, like where you shouldn't have a ton of people necessarily because they're probably just going to wait for the weekend, especially those who are traveling yeah. from out of town. And then we'll have the whole yep. following week essentially without people for the most part, right? Because then the following weekend yep. is the big is the big weekend, like the second weekend of September. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is a Wednesday and we'll get out there. And then the cool thing is I have made some really good friends out here and I'm hoping my buddy Clancy is going to come with us um, for at least some of it. He used to work at a bow shop and we hit it off right away because I was like, oh, I work on bows on the side. And he was like, that's what I do on the side. I was like, we're, do we just become best friends? Hey, you want to do karate in the garage? Yes, I do. Yeah. And, uh, but if we shoot an elk, it's going to be fun because of the location. We'll be about an hour and a half from civilization, I guess. Right. Right. But an hour and a half is nothing for our buddies to drive up and help us back out an elk. Nice. So it's going to be. It's going to be a good time. I think we're going to get into them. I'm su- I'm a general. I'm a super optimistic person in general, and so it is. Uh, I'm just. It's a matter of when you shoot an elk on our trip. Yes. So, I agree. But then, super optimistic. Super optimism comes with super depression at the end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what I'm banking on, dude. So every time we've ever deer hunted together, and this this yeah, is all exactly. true. It's like don't we- talk about this. No, 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 no. I'm going to talk about because I'm going to put it out in the world and it's going to it's going to happen. So when when Wilson and I deer hunt together, anytime. So a lot of times, you know, when Wilson was living around here, you know, we would hunt all bow season, you know, separately because we're chasing different deer and we hunt different places and stuff like that. Even though we lo- live close together, we typically would hunt different places. And then once late season came around, he and I would do hunts together. You know, where it'd be like eh, maybe he'll film and I'll hunt or I'll film and he'll hunt or we'll just literally both take our bows and we're going to go sit in a blind, you know, on some, you know, private access that he has to try to just kill some late season does. And no matter where we would go or what we would do without fail, we would never see a single deer, not even, not, not even like deer just weren't in shooting range, literally not even proof of life. So, but then what happened next? I would go there the next day. I'm like, I got to prove a point. Yeah. And I would shoot a deer and he would shoot a deer at the same spot that we were just at. So I think what's going to happen on this trip is because of because we had the the zero deer policy when we hunt together. I think we're going to have we're thick up in it elk policy. I think is what we're going to have. We're going to yeah. have the inverse. Oh, I'm ready for it. Nice. I'm ready for it too, man. And, yeah. And you can shoot a fall turkey, I'm pretty sure at the same time. So Oh, really? We get bored shoot a turkey. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's uh 
yeah, man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped, dude. I'm looking forward to to coming back out west and running mountains and just making sure that I'm in shape so I can so I can hang with uh, so this flatlander can hang when he gets out there. Yeah, dude, I I I just looked up BJJ. Is that what you call it? Yeah, I just, Brazilian jiu-jitsu i just looked up to see if there's any gyms nearby me because i was inspired by you to start taking some classes nice yeah i'm digging it i got to roll live for the first time last night and uh and it was good it was quite a workout i mean i've never been so happy to feel like i was gonna barf in my life i'm just kidding yeah, that's <laughs> gross <laughs> yeah no, I'm, I, I think getting in shape is gonna be the biggest thing um and just being prepared i i just listened to your last podcast with mm. the uh survival guy oh yeah kevin Estel- uh, estella yeah yeah and i think he hits it on the head it's like you can have all the gear we can have expensive tents and sleeping bags but that just being mentally prepared and aware of your surroundings is huge and i think we've talked about this before it's real wilderness out here yeah it's not someone's back 40 or you know a 200 acre piece of public land it's it's deep. It's deep. There's no cell service and you got to be ready for whatever, you know, if it, we wake up and there's six inches of snow, like we got to be prepared for that. Yeah. So it's going to be an adventure, which I love. I love hunting and I love adventures. If anyone knows me, they know like I often choose the more adventurous hunt over the guaranteed hunt. Easy hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same way. You know, I, I kind of like, uh, I like the unknown to a degree, like to try to go figure it out. Um, yep. And there's just something about being out West and like big areas like that where, you know, it, it literally is wilderness and it's an, it's a place to find adventure. You know, I've always yeah. kind of, I've always kind of said what I always like about those types of hunts or those types of experiences is that, you know, the mountain doesn't care who you are or what you are, where you're from socioeconomic no. status, uh, status, it will bury you just the same. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's something, there's something kind of refreshing about that, that it's, uh, you know, the hunting mountains and in challenging places like that, it's a meritocracy, you know, it, everything is earned, nothing's given. Yeah. And, and that's, yep. you know, and that makes it that much sweeter whenever it all comes together, because you can look back on it and you're like, you know, man, this thing was not handed to me. You know, I had to work my tail off to get it. Or even if I come home without, without filling a tag, like I did whenever I was in Montana, it was like, I earned that adventure. You know, every, yeah. every moment of it was earned, you know, cause it wasn't, none of it came easy. It was a lot of early mornings, long hikes, lots of being tired, you know, and, um, yeah, yeah it was great, but man, I know you're, you're still at work brother. So I want to let you go. I appreciate you cutting out of work uh, a little early to jump on and, and chat with your good buddy. We miss you in PA man, but I'm looking forward to, uh, coming out and seeing you and, uh, trying to fill some elk tags with you. Um, before we jump, yeah. let people know where they can find out more about you. We'll let them know where they can find the YouTube stuff that you're working on, the the turkey content that you're working on, and stuff like that. Yeah, we're um, I'm active on Instagram. And it's just Wilson dot McSwain, and then um, our YouTube channel is Pacific Calls. So we're in the Pacific Northwest, Pacific Calls, and our turkey tour videos are going live each Wednesday. So we got a film coming out tonight of a Washington hunt, and then next Wednesday will be my Idaho mountain hunt um from the boat and so yeah pacific calls and deer or uh turkey calls duck calls goose calls 
um, are all on our website, pacificcustomcalls.com, and we're doing a big turkey sale right now. So if you want a turkey call made by me and the boys here at the shop, they're all handmade. Everything's made in-house, which is one thing I love about our company is if we can do it here in our shop, we do it. So Nice, man. Well, brother, you be good. Uh, tell, tell the wife I said hello and uh, give the kids and the family a hug for me and uh, look forward yep. to seeing you later this summer, man. Yep, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.